intro is a little long, isn't it? But uh, shows all the books, little preview of what's coming up. But we haven't gotten to any of those books yet, although we did the one up on top, Dhammapada. We did do that one. By the way, if this is your first time seeing me, click here instead. Uh, that'll take you to the reading of the Dhammapada back in December of 21. Um, and here we have, as you can see, three of the most famous Jainists. There is, of course, uh, Parshvanat, Mahavir, and the most famous Jainist of all, Lord Buddha. What? Some of you are saying. For those who are saying that, click here. Uh, and uh, start with episode one of the Jain Sutras recitals on the Buddhist Books podcast. And uh, watch that one, and then you'll know what I'm talking about. All right. <clears throat> so uh, today's sutra is the Pratinya, with a J-N, so P-R-A-T-I-J-N-A, sutra. But if you search for that on Google, it'll only take you to the Pranya Paramita Sutra in Buddhism because Buddhism got, is exponentially the word or infinitely uh, more popular than Jainism. Um, Jainism, you're pretty much born Jainist or you got into it in the 70s when there was just a flood of people and there was like so many people looking for gurus in India that uh, the number of gurus available at that time was proportionately, you know, uh, such that, you know, a thousand people just sort of accidentally ended up being Jainist. I mean, maybe there's a third category. If you're from that third category, you've probably already turned this video off, but if you haven't, please comment below and let me know if you converted to Jainism. I would be curious about that. My interest in it, of course, is that I have become convinced that Lord Buddha was a practicing Jainist on his way to establishing his own path, which is actually only a slight variation, a slight divergence from traditional Jainism, which is super ancient. Buddhism is ancient at this point, but not as ancient as Jainism. So, um, yeah, if you want to find this sutra, it's better to search for Karemi Bhante, K-A-R-E-M-I, B-H-A-N-T-E. Um, so it seems to be one of the less uh, popular ones just based on the search results on YouTube, searching both in Hindi and in English. Um, but I did find that one guy, the one we've gotten used to his voice by now, he speaks slowly enough that we can go through each part uh, with the English up above. There's one part you'll notice that I slowed down because the English translation was like super long and the word went by like that. So you'll hear him say, I mean, that's not the word, but you know, that's what's happening there. And also uh, his recital, some of the words were slightly different from the words being given to us by Upadhyaya Amarmuni. I could not find a version which perfectly matched the words on the page here. Um, so I will explain that in a moment. Let's get to the sutra. Karemi bhante sama iam savajam jogam pachakhami java niyamam pajuva sami duviham tivihenam manenam 
वायाए का एनम न करेमी न कारवेमी तस्वते पड़िकमा निंदामी गरीहामी अपाणम वोसीरामी And there you have it. That's the uh, sutra that we're going to be reading about today. Now, the parts that were different is here that one part after the duvyam. Um, it, it, it says here manasa, vayasa, kayasa. But he was saying uh, manasi enum, vasi enum. A lot of enum going on. Not saying anything. Just saying a lot of enum going on. Um yeah so you know as we know in the past 2000 years there's been a few different splits i know the pieces fit uh that was a little that was a little flat at the end wasn't it anyway um so of course there was the big schism that started a new religion that we know as buddhism and then there were some lesser schisms where there's just some slight variants and they talk about well in this version they do this sutra this way and in that version they do that sutra that way i'm reading a saint according to virayan in rajgir um so whatever lineage he's from this is how they say it So anyway, let's get to it, shall we? <clears throat> Starting with his English translation that will help us understand what's being said here. O venerable one, I now undertake samayika and vow he went into samayika what that means. Yes, equanimity. I now undertake equanimity and vow to abstain from sinful activities for the duration of equanimity maybe samayika is a better word because it doesn't make sense if i say equanimity anyway um i'm trying something a little different with the lighting what do you think i think it 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 gets a little too bright and maybe a little too hard on the eyes when it's just like solid white so here we have natural lighting no artificial lighting um yeah so we'll try it all right anyway uh until i am bound by this vow of samayika for 48 minutes no sinful activities for 48 minutes god how do you survive um i refrain from all sinful activities with the twofold channels of neither committing them myself nor asking others to commit them so neither commit violence or lustful activity or greedful activity or ask another person to go kill someone or to go do sinful other types of things no no playing with your bitcoin app while you're doing your 48 minutes in other words got it good okay um uh, neither committing them myself nor asking others to commit them 48 minutes i don't know it just sounds i mean like, talking about 12 years of starving yourself 48 minutes I don't know. I mean then again when I meditate I rarely go anywhere near 48 minutes. Okay. And with the threefold activities of mind, speech and body. So in my mind I won't do violence, in my speech I won't do violence, in my body I won't do violence, greed, lust, vanity, ego or the rest. Oh venerable one, with my soul as yourself as my witness, I admonish myself Uh, Python, if you're confused. Um, and repent for any sinful actions committed so far. 
I finally remove my soul from these sins and move towards a purer life. Purer life. Purer. Purer. Rhymes with uh, something terrible. Anyway. Um, yeah, there was one point where uh, Padikamami, it says, uh, expressing remorse for past deeds and seek forgiveness. And I was trying to translate it. I didn't feel like slowing that down to write all that out. So I chose the word repent, thinking, well, yeah, it's basically a synonym. And we were talking about how similar Jainism is with Christianity anyway. If you just add God to Jainism, you have Christianity, basically, and then put it in a place where it would be controversial enough for the guy espousing it to get himself in trouble. Uh, then fast forward a few hundred years to where they fetishize the execution and you have Christianity, basically. Thank you for the honking. Thank you. Um, so yeah, but here in his uh, English translation, he uses the word remorse. So I guess I'm in good company for choosing to use that word. Anyway, moving on to the analysis. All the rules and regulations this far addressed were to prepare oneself for adopting Samayika. Um, hear, hear that sound? Someone's blowing a conch. Remember when I tried to blow the conch? Uh, yeah, he's blowing a smaller one and walking around saying, Hi-yum! And then people come out their windows and like drop 10 rupees and... Uh, He's, he's, a, he's a wandering beggar, holy beggar of the Hindu uh, variety. Sort of a tradition that Buddha then took on. So Buddhism basically drew from Jainism a lot, it seems, and a little bit from Hinduism. Uh, but I'm not going to read all the Vedas before I get to the Tipitaka. Don't worry. And the Upanishads. This would be a really long podcast. It's already going to be a really long podcast. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Thus, having known and repented for one's sins in Aryapatika Sutra, then cleansing the inner self of those blemishes by Kayotsarga and Logasa, and finally purifying the self, one sows the seeds of Samayika by the above-mentioned Karemi Bhante Sutra. You see, even he's calling it Karemi Bhante Sutra. Why did he? Why is the title Pranya, Pran, Pranita Sutra, the Sutra of Pledge? Okay. Anyway, they still have that back in the West. We don't have it here. Pledge for cleaning wood. Anyway, uh, what is Samayika? This has been answered in this sutra, has it? Samayika is the means of partial renunciation, uh, Pratyaka of karmic stoppage, samvara. Thus, samayika means to abstain from sinful actions and resolves for at least two spans of time, or 48 minutes. So 24 minutes is what is known as a span of time. Cool. The Pledge of Samayika. The aspirant takes the vow. <clears throat> o Lord, by following the mentioned rules, I abstain from the sins committed by the three yogas of body, mind, and speech. 
which blemish the inner self and destroy the purity of the soul. I will not nurture evil thoughts in my mind, utter untrue and hurtful words through my speech, and will not allow violent actions through my body. Thus, stopping the activities of body, mind, and speech, I make myself stable and firm. Follow the spiritual actions that will bring about self-purification. Self-space-space purification. I think that maybe without the spaces. Self-purification. Okay. And atone for past sins by introspection and repentance. I condemn all negative actions, cleanse my soul, and enmesh in the sins of the past cleanse my soul enmeshed in the sins of the past and adopt a life of restraint and spiritual conduct for the duration of Samayika. The above mentioned pledge is the Pratinya Sutra. The aim of Samayika is not just to alter the attire, but to transform life. It is unfortunate that nowadays, People remain entangled in the web of passions, even during Samayika, and hence do not see the divine transformation of the self through Samayika. It reminds me of uh, Jim Gaffigan talking about being in church and how when people pray in church it makes them uncomfortable. And he's like, could you do that outside? I'm trying to check out the ladies in here. You know? um, anyway, renunciation, complete and partial. Sinful actions can be given up in two ways through the medium of samayika, complete renunciation, or sarva virati, and partial renunciation, or desa virati. All disciples fall within the three, the three yogas of body, mind, and speech, and at the most are of nine kinds. Ooh, is it going to be a math one? Bangas. Thus, that which is renounced in all the nine ways is considered as complete renunciation, and that which is renounced in lesser ways is considered partial renunciation. Okay. The monk's samayika is one of complete renunciation, and the sravakas is partial, as has already been discussed. Okay. Maybe you remember it. Anyway, thus the householder renounces all sinful activities by the six bhangas, i.e. the two karmas and the three yogas, karanas, the two, by two karanas and three yogas, must be multiplication, two and three becoming six, so three yogas in two karanas. Okay. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I don't remember what a Karana is, but maybe you do. We did talk about it earlier. If you were taking notes, just flip back a couple pages. Never mind. For this reason, for this reason that the Pranya Sutra mentions the phrase, huh? it is for this reason that the Pranya Pratinya Sutra mentions the phrase, duviham tivihenam, which means that the, oh, Oh, okay, so the two Quranas are sinning yourself and asking other people to sin for you. Okay. Uh, yeah. 
so it mentions the phrase duviham, uh, remember? TV uh, henam, which means that the samayika is bound by the following six bangas against sinful actions. One, not to sin with the mind. Two, not to ask others to sin with their mind. Three, not sin with the speech. Four, not ask others to sin with speech. Five, not sin with one's body. Six, not to ask others to sin with their body. Okay. In scriptural language, these are known as sat koti, or six disciplines for the householder. The sadhu's samayika is known as navakoti, since it consists of nine disciplines. The householder's circumstances are such that he cannot tread the path of complete restraint. Yeah, you gotta beat the kids once in a while. No, it's the sex, I think. Um, so he does not follow the three bangas of the sadhu, namely that of non-acceptance by body, mind, and speech for sinful actions committed by others. Okay. With the remaining six bangas, he treads the path of restraint and makes his life pure and auspicious. For the salvation of the soul, it does not matter whether the restraints are few or many. What makes a difference is that they are followed with a pure heart. Even the smallest of austerities can break the shackles of delusion if adopted completely. The meaning of bhante. The first phrase of the Pratinya Sutra is kareme, karemi bhante, a phrase filled with devotion and faith for one's master. The Sanskrit term for bhante is bhadanta, which means the benefactor. Who greater than the master to show us the path away from pain and misery of this world? Bhante also means bhavant and bhayant in Sanskrit. Bhavant means one who can end this bhava or cycle of birth and death. And <clears throat> bhayant means one who can end bhaya or fear. After all, how can the cycle of worldly life or the emotion of fear have any credence in the proximity of the master? Bhante also means God, which is an appropriate and beautiful way to address one's master. If the term Bhante is addressed to God as the witness of our every action, there is no problem in that. For in the absence of the guru, we must consider God as our witness and begin the religious activities. The siddhas are the knowers and seers of all emotions and feelings within us. Nothing is hidden from them. Thus, considering as our witness, we must remain focused, vigilant, and inspired. The analysis of savadya. The term savajam is found in the phrase savajam yogam or jogam pachakami. In Sanskrit, in the, its Sanskrit form is savadya, 
which means with sin or sinful. Thus, those activities which bind the soul and deteriorate the soul with sinful karmas should be shunned in samayika. There are many who argue that such a definition could mean that one must not even protect any creature during samayika, since an act of protection denotes attachment, which in turn denotes karmic bonding. Hence, they argue that even such an action is included in sabadya. The response to this misinterpretation is that in samayika, one must abstain from sinful actions. This can only refer to violence towards creatures and not compassion. So attachment, bad. Compassion, good. Remember we were going over this in the second or third episode of Dhammapada. All right. <clears throat> so love. Well, which of the seven forms of love in Greek? Take your pick. Um, attachment, eros, bad. Agape, compassion, good. So love is good, unless it's love. That's also good if you're a householder, because you only have the six things to follow, and the other three, they give you pass, because, you know, the human species needs to continue to live on if there's going to be Jainists uh, in the future. If there's going to be the second son in the family, where the first one inherits all the wealth, uh, then the second one can go be a, a priest or something, right? Unless the first one is inspired. And then they can take the vow, and then everything goes to the second one. Unless you're not talking from hundreds of years ago. <clears throat> These days, uh, I think it was relatively recently, but they did finally come around to that if someone doesn't have a will, and they die, and they have a son and a daughter, their money gets divided between them both, evenly. So that's cool. Didn't used to be that way. It wasn't that way in the West either. But uh, more recently, less recently, in both cases, relatively recently, that's new. Anyway, it's a bit newer here, though. <clears throat> okay, where were we? How can an act of compassion be considered as a sinful act or even attachment? If this were true, then religion or dharma would have no significance in this world. We're all about significance in the world, right? <clears throat> uh, compassion is an indication of tenderness as well as a right vision in one's life. Where there is no compassion, there can be no humanness. Humaneness. Oh, there's an E. It's two ends with an E in between. Anyway, compassion is the life breath of Jainism, and it is what has made Jainism popular since time immemorial. Um, attachment. Where and what? Attachment, or ragbaba. Ragbaba? Let's just say ragbaba. Um, spelled like ragbaba with a hyphen. Anyway, attachment is born from delusion, or moha. Whenever we want something for ourselves, and wherever there is passion, there is delusion. So that's when we're talking about eros and love, as opposed to love or compassion. See the difference? Um, I love you, <laughs> right? Okay, 
Um, so, yes. Uh, if during Samayika we protect another creature out of compassion without any selfish motive, then how can delusion exist? How can attachment be said to exist in such an instant? How can attachment be said to exist in such an instant? Such an accusation is a mockery of spirituality. All right. But after reading, oh, anyway, okay. Uh, those uh, To those monks who claim that compassion towards creatures is an act of attachment, I ask them, whose samayika is greater, that of the monks or that of the householders? If their reply is that the monks' samayika is greater since it is bound by the nine bangas and undertaken for life, I ask them, would you call your act of taking alms to feed your hunger an act devoid of attachment? Okay, so the householder has to remain perfectly still and sinless in body, mind, and heart for 48 minutes. But the monk has to do it for the rest of their lives. And there's extra stuff. Like they don't, you know, engage in the hokey pokey, let's say. Would your act of taking medication to relieve illness be considered an act of attachment? Well, no, but it's an act of overtly disbelieving in the healing power of Christ, right? We're all Christian scientists here, right? Um, when, you, when you cover yourself with a blanket in winter, is there no attachment for your body? If they say that these acts devoid of, are devoid of attachment, then how can they claim that there is attachment in the act of protecting a creature? Thus, to all those sadhus who question acts of compassion during samayika, I say that just as some basic needs have to be fulfilled and are not considered actions born from attachment, protecting a creature is a tendency of detachment since it lends to nirjara or shedding of karmas and not sin. Compassion is a sublime feeling that arises out of the oneness experienced with the universe at large. This cannot be termed as being trapped in attachment. That's a nice place to stop. So, just backing up to our overall reason by our, I mean mine, and presumably yours if you're following this whole podcast. If you just jumped in for the one episode, I don't know where you're coming from, but it's okay. Um, just so you know where I'm coming from. Um, the idea was that all signs and evidence point toward the fact that Siddhartha Gautama, having left the princely life, became a devout and practicing Jainist and took the vows and was practicing this ascetic lifestyle. And then he went his own way. Um, but before that, I'm interested in what, what he had learned and where he was coming from. So I think that his legacy ended up affecting how Jainism developed after, after Mahavir, um, as well as other factors. And of course, these words, except for the sutra itself, are from Upadhyaya Amarmuni, interpreting this 2,300-year-old uh, sutra for a modern listener. So 
some of it is just interesting for the sake of learning about Jainism, kind of in present day, but ancient Jainism through the eyes of present day. But it takes a little bit of squinting and letting the mind kind of go down a certain path to zero in on how much of this would Lord Buddha have uh, have learned from his teachers in Jainism. Uh, because a lot of it sounds like stuff that he said in contradiction to how Jainism was at that time. But it's interesting. Like in uh, in Buddhism, and this is a this is something that you'll run into among ignoramuses who want to put down Buddhism today, where they say, "Well, Buddhism says uh, attachments are bad, so therefore love is bad. So you might as well just leave your baby on the street to starve because oh, that's attachment, you know." Um, so Upadhyaya Amarmuni is slapping down that idea in a Jainist context because apparently it comes up there too and according to him even some monks think that way and perhaps in Buddhism there are individual monks who think that way or maybe uh, one philosophy within Buddhism or one school of Buddhism that we'll get to eventually first we're going to read the uh, the three baskets the uh, Tipitaka or Tripitaka and then we'll get to the different branches and what they think because this podcast is meant to dive in in part to to understand the buddha better that's kind of where we're focused now and probably where we'll be focused for the next several years um and then once we've once we've gotten everything we can get from these words from these english translations of these books to get to know what the original teachings were and who the Buddha was and where he was coming from. We will max out our ability to do that with words. Um, of course, we could go a little deeper by learning how to speak Pali and then going, aha, this word gets translated as this English word, but the English word has this connotation, but the Pali word doesn't blah, 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 blah. Uh, but probably we won't go that direction, at least not in the near future. And then after that, then we'll start to read the early Mahayana. We'll finish the Lotus Sutra finally, and hopefully by then I will have cooled off and I'll be able to handle it better. But again, thank you to the Lotus Sutra for being what you are because it motivated me to buy all of these Pali scriptures in order to find out what it is that I'm supposed to throw in the trash to accept this new doctrine. Um, but yeah, given that there were 14 schools of Theravada and they were all fighting amongst themselves... In that context, I can understand why someone would come along and say, let's just start over. You know, let's just start over. We'll call it the Lotus Sutra. We'll call it Mahayana. Um, that I understand. But I feel like I missed a lot. It's sort of like jumping in on like the, uh, you know, the 20th season of a really good show. And it's, you know what I mean? Like reinventing itself. It's about the kids of the original main characters. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. I need to watch from season one. So that's what's happening. Then after Lotus Sutra, then we can start to read all those Mahayana Sutras. The Heart Sutra, which I already like, but that's one of those ones that it seems to be more emphasis on zero attachment, everything is nothing. And that's where people can read read the Lotus Sutra or read the Heart Sutra, the short version, and say, okay, so this this means don't love. This means that there's there's no no compassion is mentioned in the Heart Sutra. Um, 
So, yeah, so this is an interesting idea. That's an interesting chapter and an interesting, uh, yeah, interesting subject, interesting sutra, I think. But I think, I think in general, things will become uh, a little more interesting for more people when we get to the Tipitaka. Not everybody's interested in Jainism. It's all about sin and all this stuff. But, I mean, Lord Buddha referred to Mahavir as very restrictive and uh, the debates between Buddhism and Jainism, Buddhist, the, the Buddhist perspective was that Jainism was too restrictive and imposed too many rules and uh, it was unnecessary. And so, so we're, we're reading this in part to find out why they said that. And uh, I think, you know, people who are a little bit turned off by, oh, okay, so this vow, this rule, sinful, oh, this is sinful, that's sinful. You know, don't forget why we're reading this. Um, and what it's leading toward. So anyway, thank you all for uh, joining, and uh, I hope you're all having a wonderful week. And um, all right, we'll close with that. To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Until next time. Thank you.